It's time to put on your sleuthing cap, feel nail-biting dread, and face heart-racing fear. This is Queer Writers of Crime, where you'll get book recommendations and hear interviews with LGBTQ authors of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. Here's your host, Brad Shreve. Hi, Justine. Hi, Brad. Good to be back. It is good to have you back. You know, it's really weird not talking to you every single week. And, and you've been so busy. Let me say I get a lot more done, though. I get a lot more done in the rest of my life. Well, I believe you it, know, because... it sounds like 15 minutes to other people, but, you know, there was a lot of prep. And, and sometimes our technical difficulties took extra time. That they did, just like they did today. And uh-huh. told Justine, thank you to my loving husband, uh, Maurice, who is an IT person and is always quick to run in and fix my problems. Uh, well, yes. he's able to fix my uh, technical podcasting problems. Other problems he hasn't been able to resolve <laughs> regarding me. I don't know. It seems <laughs> to me he's resolved a lot of your other problems. Oh, you know what? He really has. Uh, yes, he he's resolved a huge number of problems in my life. That's right. So I got to give you credit there. But I don't even see you on Messenger anymore. You you just aren't online at all, it seems. Oh, I'm online. I'm just uh, not particularly chatty these days. Okay. Um, but you know, my schedule is cleared up. I was looking at my calendar. I have things to do, but I actually don't have much on my calendar. So I made all my doctor's appointments. I was like, Oh, anytime in July or August or September or October is fine with me. So so I'll probably be online and chatting more and, and the listeners could reach out to me. By the way, every now and then there's a, there's a, there's a separate message thing where they put some junk mail or messages from people that you don't know. And I often catch those, but every now and then I don't. And I will come across one that was like six weeks ago, and I just I feel terrible. Don't think that I'm ignoring you. It's just lost in the ether, in the messenger equivalent of a spam folder. Yeah, and the thing that bothers me is it's okay that it goes over there, but there's not, nothing that tells you. Like if you go in your email, it tells you you have junk mail. Yeah. Yeah. But Messenger doesn't tell you that. I moderate two Facebook groups, so I know to check there because I get a lot of messages. Yes. But before then, I didn't get that. And I would, like like you, I would open up and like, oh, somebody sent me a message six months ago. Right, right. It's very odd. It's an issue. It's an issue. Um, and if they want, they can friend me first. I, I accept all friend requests. And, and then if they're, you know, bots or... Or other, you know, weird people, I take them off. But I accept all friend requests. And so if somebody wants to reach me, friend me first. I did the same thing. And I'm always surprised when I hear other authors say, people keep friending me. I don't even know who they are. And I'm like, well, what if they read your book? And with me, what if they read my book or, or listened to my podcast and they just want to start following me? So like you, I follow back anybody. I figure if it's a whack job, they'll put a, they'll post something and, I, and you hit the block button and it's over and done. Exactly. You know, they can only do so much damage. That's right. I agree with you. Generally, you shouldn't start off talking about the weather because most people don't care. But you're about 90 miles away from me. You're more towards L.A. When I leave the desert, you're on the way down to the big city. Mm-hmm. Are you guys having the drought conditions there that we are having here? We're having a lot of drought conditions. Not as bad as up there. There's strict rationing. What I've heard is that you cannot have a lawn. You cannot have a lawn at all if you follow the uh, rationing techniques. But our lawn, which we can still have, is just patchy. And and I'm in favor of ripping it out. I'm too. And actually, I should let people know that Justine is here to do a book recommendation, and we will get to that shortly. <laughs> 
You know, there are some podcasts I listen to that go so far afield. I think back to the early days where we had like no chatter beforehand that you want to just get to it. And I was like, ah, banter's fine. Mm. And and then I hear the other banter and I say, oh, God, I hope we never get to that point. Well, I don't mind other shows banter is when I listen to them the first time and, and they haven't even introduced themselves or told me what the show is about. So that's always kind of strange. Right, right. Yeah, I just wanted to toss that out. As far as rationing goes, right now we can water the lawn two times a week for 30 minutes. So we have accepted the lawn is going to die. Right. Just don't get around to it. Yeah. Anyway, I have to uh, do a shout-out to somebody. I did a bunch of shout-outs recently, and I have one that I need to do a big shout-out to, and it's a person named Marco Redhouse. And let me read what Marco wrote. He said, Hey, Brad and Justine, I love your podcast, and I look forward to it every week. I'm making a list of all the books mentioned as well as the other books that are in the series so I can read them when I get the chance. Obviously, this is an avid reader. (laughs) Somebody mentioned to me that they're happy to hear that authors make money off of uh, Kindle Unlimited. And for those people out there, I make more off Kindle Unlimited than I do in regular sales. I have no issue. I know some people are concerned about Oh, yeah. Yeah, most authors do. Most most authors I hear complain that Kindle Unlimited rips off authors don't use Kindle Unlimited. Because the one most people I talk to that have it are grateful we have it. Because right. An example is I talked to a listener the other day, and, and he told me he reads somewhere between 11 and 20 books a month. Without Kindle Unlimited, he would never be able to afford that. Yeah, So exactly. As far as my books, you can buy them, go guilt-free on Kindle Unlimited. So anyway, let me get back to uh, Mark with what he said. Yes. Uh, I look forward to reading these queer book authors I've never heard of. When I was in my 20s, I've read Grant Michaels, Joseph Hansen, Richard Stevenson, and Michael Kraft. I look forward to reading more of Michael Nava's books. I love the interviews and getting to know the authors as well. Keep up the great work. And here's the thing. This was not a message sent on Apple Podcasts, which would be very nice, Marco, if you want to do that as well. This was on Buy Me a Coffee. (laughs) So the big thing is, in addition to all those nice comments he made, which really appreciate, he donated $100 to help keep the show running. That's very generous. Yeah, very generous. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That I think that's... One of the biggest donations you've got. I, I know that one of the Recreared Tales author, uh, authors actually donates his some of his profits to you. Yes, he does. Some of his royalties. Yes, I, whenever I get a uh, donation from, I think it's usually under your name, but it's, it's from Recreared Tales. I'm like, I scratch my head and I wonder why, and then I realize what it's for. It's their royalties. So yes. That is most appreciative. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much, Marco. It's much appreciated. Thank you, thank you. And hey, can I mention a couple things here? Oh, you certainly can. So when he was in his twenties, he read Grant Michaels, Joseph Hansen, Richard Stevenson, and Michael Kraft. And I'm going to put a plug in here for Recreated Tales. Not only are we republishing Grant Michaels, we've done the whole series now, and Richard Stevenson, we're starting to republish his Don Strakey series. But we have a brand new never before published Grant Michael's book out that he wrote in the late 1990s but was never published before and we have a brand new book out or that's coming out in the fall from Richard Stevenson he did his final Don Strakey novel and we're publishing that too finish it right before his death yeah that's amazing I don't know if you heard uh Philip did a book recommendation last month and he did um 
Richard's book. Dosey Doe with Death. It was an excellent, it was really, you know, it's funny because his reaction, I read all these novels and proof them and the like, and uh, his reaction was different than mine. I, you know, I, I liked the more serious, well, the more plot and the, the more direct relationship stuff, and the, the, the campiness sometimes just over the top, and he loves the campiness. Mm -hmm. But actually, he did do Dozy Doe, but he, actually, he did knock off the hat, the Richard Stevenson's latest novel. Right. That's not that's not ours. That's Amble Right. Press. But when he did that, I, he thought that was the end of the line. And I said, no, Required has another Richard Stevenson, the final, oh, yes. Yes, the final Donald Strachey novel come out. And he was he was virtually speechless. He, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people were. Yes. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, he was somewhat speechless. I had to edit it out because dead air on the. Uh, a podcast is usually not a good thing. <laughs> Though, actually, sometimes I wonder if people think dead air is better than listening to us, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> well, you know, they can turn us off and listen to the dead air for a while and then turn us back on. There you go. <laughs> so I'll put a link in the show notes of, uh, of two Record Tales, and you folks can uh, watch for the Grant Michaels book as well as the uh, Richard Stevenson book coming up soon. So thank you. Uh, as always, I thank you to Record Tales. Thank you. So, uh you did decide to do a book recommendation today, am I correct? Uh, let me see if I can find my notes after this long. Oh, look, there they are. <laughs> so I am. Uh, my recommendation today is uh, "My Name Is Jimmy" by Garrick Jones. Uh, Garrick Jones is is a friend of both of ours and has been on the show a number of times. He usually writes really long books. They're good. Yes. They're long and, and they're, they're well, I don't know if they're dense. They got a lot of Australian context, which, uh, you know, I've got to kind of piece together. So they take me a lot while his long books. They're, they're well worth the investment of time. But My Name is Jimmy is a novella. So you are getting your dose of Garrick Jones in uh, short form. I, I was curious to see how he translated his work to the short form and he does an excellent job it is a well-crafted novella it doesn't read like a reader's digest version of a longer story it reads like a complete story within that novella i haven't read that one yet and i always feel guilty because garrick and i are friends when i publish a book he gets he reads it like within a few weeks and he even apologizes if he doesn't read it within the first few days <laughs> His books are, are long, and I'm a slow reader, and, you know, I'm reading for the show every week. So it takes me a little longer to get around to it, and I always feel so guilty. And and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. But, well, you know, if you buy it. Even when I can't get around to it, it's worth the wait. He's such an amazing author. He is. He is. But, but you would like this one. My name is Jimmy. It's historical fiction. So it is set in Australia right after the war. And there's a introduction that really kind of sets it up. And I, I found this a fascinating bit of Australian history. So at the beginning of World War II, three months after Pearl Harbor, the Japanese soldier who led the Pearl Harbor attack also led an attack over Darwin, Australia, with the same planes that were in the Pearl Harbor attack, but even more planes with heavier bombs and there was far more damage in it. And he attacked twice. Darwin was basically destroyed. I did not know that. I don't know if you've ever heard that. 
but Pearl Harbor is a huge thing. And then to find out that Darwin was not only the same attack by the same people, but much worse, surprised me that it isn't into the global consciousness. Well, remember, we're Americans and we tend to be very short-sighted when it comes to history. Well, that's true. But, you know, the Blitz, the, you know, the London Blitz is, is what everybody knows. And those the they had to do blackouts so the bombers couldn't see them at night. And then, uh, you know, the bombing of the German cities is pretty well known. Uh, Hiroshima, obviously, is well known. But that that's a whole different level. And yet here is a big part of World War II that we just don't know. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And if you heard that plane fly by, it is because the best Wi-Fi that Justine has in her household happens to be on her patio. So we do occasionally hear the, the sounds of nature, and we just got to hear an airplane. <laughs> Plus, there's sunshine out here, you know? Sunshine rules in my book. Okay, so that's the backdrop of this. This story takes place post-World War II. The title character is named Jimmy. And he goes around talking to people to get uh, clues and investigate. And he always starts the conversation with, my name is Jimmy. After the war, he is, uh, he can't really figure out what he wants to do with himself. He suffered what would be known now as PTSD. It was known as something different after World War II. Um, Shell shock. PTSD has been around at least since, huh? Shell shocked. What did you say? Shell-shocked. Shell-shocked. Shell Earlier than that, it was called Soldier's Heart. Um, I can't remember if that was the Civil War, but certainly after the Civil War, there were a lot of soldiers that suffered from that and had to basically go off and live someplace really quiet because the sounds, any sounds were a problem. So he's got the equivalent of PTSD, and he doesn't really know what to do with himself. His best friend... When he was young, and his first lover, Daryl, also known as Sandy for his blonde, almost white hair, was killed in Darwin. And that's all they knew. Uh, all his parents knew. All Jimmy knew. They didn't find a body, so they don't have any remains. They don't even know exactly how he died. So Jimmy takes off to Darwin to find out the find out what happened. He gets to Darwin, and it was a mostly abandoned after the war was somewhat of a military base but people were coming back to do the construction and rebuild it but the town is almost all men kind of like the North Dakota oil fields were you know, and, and some of the gold rush towns uh, it is is almost all men right after the war and they're re uh, those those were the days <laughs> <laughs> you know if that was still the days you'd all die out <laughs> True. We're good for something, at least, you know. <laughs> um, and I should, you should comment that out. I, I, God forbid people think I'm serious and not being completely and totally sarcastic, particularly in light of the recent uh, Supreme Court ruling. The very first drag show I, I saw, the drag queen said, uh, we love married people in the suburbs because you keep popping them out and we keep bringing them out. That's right. That's okay. You know, where are you going to grow those new gay babies? <laughs> going on, back. Let's actually talk about your book. Yeah, about well, about Garrick's book. So it's the kind of mystery where you know it's a who done it, 
but there's not a lot of red herrings. There's not a lot of, you know, here, there, the other thing. The story basically goes through Jimmy's investigation. He goes up to somebody and says, my name is Jimmy. And he, they start talking. And he, you know, and he gets to another level and more and more clues. Occasionally, he thinks he's solved it, but he hasn't. But it, do, it doesn't do that usual, uh, oh, the reader is certain this who it is. And they, they're blindsided, or they got the clues wrong. No, the, the clues he had led him to that conclusion, but then he gets there, and it's a different, it's a different thing. And at the end, even though it's, it's that kind of investigative story, there's a climax where, you know, there's a showdown with the killer. So it, it has that element also. There's also a relationship. This is not a romance book, but he does develop a relationship. He does seem to heal some of his soldier's heart, and and that was a satisfying ending. All in all, a, 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 a terrific book. There's there's no extraneous stuff in this. No chaff. It's all wheat. I liked it a lot. And that's actually very common in Garrick's books as far as the romance goes. I He almost always has romance in it. But you would never think it was a romance novel. It's it it is a mystery novel, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm not so sure it's romance so much as a relation developing of a relationship. Yeah. That is very true, um, especially given that era. And there is one thing I want to say about Garrick, because he I can only think one that's not, are historical of nature in nature. And he is such a stickler for accuracy and details. And sometimes I tell them it's to the point of absurdity. Yes. And let, let me give you an example. And it may have been for this short story. I can't remember when. But he had a person traveling on a train in Australia in, in his novel. And they were passing through a small town. Now, that railroad that ran through that town doesn't even exist anymore. That rail line, line has been gone for decades. Yeah. But Garrick was driving himself crazy because he had to know what the scheduled time the train went to that yeah. small town so he would be accurate when the person arrived there. And yeah. almost any other writer I would know would search. If they couldn't find it, they would say, okay, I'll just make up a time. Nobody's ever going to know the difference because there's not even a train station there anymore. But not Garrick. He searched. Or, he the, or the ones... The ones who include those kind of things, they are vague about it. You know, they have them arrive at the thing and then, you know, the next day at that certain time, there's something there. Exactly. But no, he had to know the exact time. And, and I think he did find it. I don't know where in, the, where in the hell he did. I tried searching for him and I couldn't find it. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all that this is a great book. It's terrific. And I learned, always with his books, uh, I learned something about Australia. Uh, I learned, I, I learned... Not, not a lot, but I learned something about wartime in Australia that I was completely oblivious to that I found very interesting. My Name is Jimmy by Garrick Jones. All right. Well, thank you. Sounds like a good one. I'm not surprised with it being Garrick. Yeah. And we'll chat next month. All right. See you next month, Brad. If you enjoy Queer Writers of Crime, let others know with a review. It helps build an audience and introduce more people to queer crime fiction. Apple and iTunes are where most people search for new shows. But if you don't use either, other apps that allow reviews include Podcast Addict, Overcast, and Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, help spread the word to tune in to Queer Writers of Crime. Queer Writers of Crime.